Hello, welcome to Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. Uh, and today, we are going to talk about the Emperor. Uh, before talking... <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna bring bring some glory back to the Imperium, okay? The Emperor hasn't had <laughs> enough glory <laughs> recently. We're gonna talk about Dark Time. Before we do that, buddy, why don't you the folks know what this video on this podcast? On this podcast, we talk about games, okay? And this game is my recent obsession. Frankly, it's your recent obsession. I, yeah. I, this has really surprised me more than anything else. Is how much I was watching you ping the chat to be like Emperor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, part of that is just a nice, fun group game, and our group isn't playing WoW as much. Uh, yeah, uh, so there's that. But uh, you know, it's 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 a fun way to pass the time. I'm actually curious. So you you've played a lot more than I have, right? I don't have a character mm -hmm. level thirty yet, and I worry that once I hit thirty, I'm going to fall off of it pretty rapidly. Um, okay, so. interesting. Well, you know what? Okay, this so we're, we're, I... we're jumping into this a little too hard. We should yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, the yeah, game yeah. in general terms first. Why, why don't you pitch the game? I you... will. I, I but the first thing I want to say is I want I want to lay out my Dark Tide bonafides right now. In Dark Tide, I have two level thirty characters. Um, so okay, for the longest time, I played Dark Tide on release. We played a bunch. Me and a, me and a group of friends of mine. Um, we played a bunch. I played a Psyker. My Psyker got to into the level twenties before we sort of put it down. We would we would pop back in just every once in a while um and and just like play a tiny bit but like not really going to go go hard um and then very recently we made the big push to go to 30 and i now have two level 30s and two level 25 actually one level 26 one level 25 of so i have all four characters almost maxed out in dark tide and for the last several weeks i have been really going really going hard on this <laughs> hello in the chat yeah Sari, my, so some friends in the chat Sarah and ray hey what's up you guys <laughs> yeah, it's called no life and yeah um i have played significantly less i would not say i've been no lifing this um but i have a level 16 or 17 ogren and a level 13 veteran um and I've just been kind of working through, like, those beginning systems. Uh, my understanding is the game really opens up once you hit max level. Like I said, I don't know if there, there's enough progression chop. Because, like, I already find my... So, this is like a Left 4 Dead style game. It's basically the, the closest parallel I can think of. I didn't play a yeah. ton of Vermintide. Um, uh, and I was interested in Dark Tide, but when it came out, everybody said it was not great. And so when everybody said it got good, and also it was on Game Pass, so I didn't have to spend any dollars on it, I, uh, I decided to jump in. Um... But the thing that always bothered me about those types of games previously is that it feels like you exhaust the set of maps pretty quickly, and there's not a ton of variation mission to mission. Um, what uh, what you play these types of games a lot, right? Like you play these games, you also play Payday a lot, which is also yep. a lot of this. So, um, what what keeps driving you in in these types of games to keep playing it? The mastery of the map is what is what matters. So it, okay. it's it's a lot like a raid or Mythic Plus Dungeon would be a good a good sort of counter um, example um, where you know and and this is something that sets Dark Tide apart because Dark Tide does not have set maps or well it does but in a in a complex way. So um, 
the thing that, ma that makes a Mythic Plus dungeon fun is you're playing the map for the first time and you're learning it. And, and as you learn, you refine. And that process of refinement is really interesting, right? To, to the point where you get to it where you can just run this thing in your sleep. You understand the pulls. You know where the interrupts are. You know what you have to knock out with CC, th this kind of stuff, right? Uh, the shooter version of this is, like in Vermintide, for instance, um, the objectives are uh, all sort of set in stone. I know where I'm going next. I'm not going to get turned around or lost. I, I know what's, you know, sort of what's, what's, um, what's kind of like next in line. So, for instance, in something like Payday, those maps are, are very intricately sort of woven uh, kind of like tapestries of like enemies and objectives and you have people sort of flowing from point a to point b right so typical a typical payday thing in payday three might be um you start the mission quasi stealth you you complete the first objective stealth but then a guard sees you and you go okay well fuck it we'll just go loud for the rest of the mission and then you just complete the rest of it loud and so now you have a drill that gets dropped on the roof somebody has to go up to the roof get the drill um you have bat you know you're 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 looting side rooms you're picking up bags you're collecting those bags into a central location okay now we are in the vault we have looted the vault and we need to move those bags to a holding point and then move that holding point like further forward until we can all like make our getaway like all of this, all of this tactical stuff is kind of um, happening. That's set in stone every time, um, and that refining process is the process that makes it fun. Dark Tide has a very different approach because Dark Tide has I call them there. There are bridge zones and objective zones, and every game you start in a bridge, you go to an objective, then you go to another bridge, then you go to another object objective, and bridges can kind of be anything, objectives can kind of be anything, um, and the only thing you really know is that final objective. You know if you're doing an assassination mission, you're going to end up in this kind of arena where you kill a guy. You know if you're doing an ammunition raid, you're going to end up at this train station, you go rob these two trains, right? Um, but everything in between... That's random, right? Could be it could be different. Um, and on top of that, they have built the maps so that it's not just that you have one version of a bridge zone, right? You could have three versions of the same bridge zone, but where your entrance and exit to the zone are in different locations. So even though you're moving through the same like explicit territory, that territory is oriented differently based on you know the the way that the 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 maps come in and i do think that that gives it a very sort of um a very sort of i don't know I, we talk a lot about randomness and I've, I've mentioned in the past how randomness is intentional and an important part of strategy experiences because part of a good being a good you know strategist is being able to react to random things on the fly right in Dark Tide, you need to be able to you need to be able to do that because the whole map is sort of essentially random, if that makes sense. Whereas in something like Vermintide, it's going to be like um, the spawn, the monster spawns are random, right? Where the specialists are coming from are random, right? Um, any of those kind of medium, you know, I don't know, medium pieces. Yeah. Okay. That that all makes sense. I think I haven't run up against the difficulty hard enough to like really feel like there's a lot of uh, uh, what's it called. Um, there's a lot. I don't feel like there's a lot of like uh, coherency, to borrow a term from the game, uh, needed to actually beat the missions. Um, uh, uh, I have lost two missions total. Not that I've played a ton of them, but one of them was the one we lost last night, which seemed to be just kind of like things fell apart. But like the other, and the other one was like we were playing content that was way too high level for what we were doing. Right, that was like us walking into failure. 
Um, uh, uh, in the chat, uh, uh, Sarian says, uh, M-plus is too static after a point. You're just refining it faster and tighter, but it's not going to change run-to-run. -run. See, that, that that is interesting. This is kind of like a speedrunner thing, right? Like, that that's what makes it compelling is, like, reaching for, like, a higher score. This is, like, rhythm games, right? Which is all about static mastery. Um, I, I guess... Yeah, and I, the one other thing I want to mention about Mythic Plus, which, makes, which complicates this whole thing, Mythic Plus is about progressing up the keys, right? And the way you run, like, let's say, like, a, a level 14 might be fundamentally different than the way you run a level 20 because of the that, you know, when you separate out the, the difficulty into 20 different layers, into 25, I mean, you know, however many different layers you want to kind of go, it makes for just complicated stuff where all of a sudden pulls that you never used to think about now all of a sudden you have to you have to tackle them in a different and unique way that's also sort of part of the fun um though the point still stands i, I understand you know what what we're talking about when it comes down to like yeah. a static you know versus kind of dynamic gameplay i also think dark tide benefits from another piece of randomness which is the randomized drops throughout the level right um this is also something that's that's pretty interesting where uh, you have certain kinds of modifiers to your dark type missions where you can sometimes be required to carry scriptures or grimoire, grimoires and those are hidden throughout the level and you and they're not in set locations. You have to kind of like dig and find them. And then also important crafting materials are also hidden throughout the map. Um, and so you need to be able to kind of like comb every corner of, of the map in order to be able to get that stuff. Interesting. So I, I guess that's part of it too. Is because I haven't hit max level yet. I haven't really like fucked with any of that, um, any of that kind of stuff. So that all makes sense. That all makes sense. I I, I am willing to, to give it a shot to see how things feel once uh, once uh, once I get there. But I and I'm excited to get there. Um, but uh, uh, we should maybe talk about um, uh, what. Uh, Sarah Nichelle says your kit also feels the most complete at 30. I definitely buy that, right? Like that, like you, you're getting more differentiation. Like, you know, my veteran versus your veteran feels differentiated. Um, so yeah. Like oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And this is one of the things that has changed dramatically. When the game first launched, there were no sort of different builds for these characters. You know what I mean? Like you could have different loadouts. Your weapons could be different. Um, but at, this, at the end of the day, there was really only like one veteran kind of build one sort of psyker build but what, 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 fleshing out the trees that they did recently has has made it so that i can play my melee veteran versus you know someone playing a marksman veteran like i think sarian runs a marksman veteran and those are two ra radically different sort of archetypes right. for characters the, before before this change were they're just like not talent trees or were they just like one was one build was so far and above the other ones that there was practically no difference. Um, there were there was a difference, and but it was kind of practically no different. Like the the right side of tree for veteran that I've been playing is a melee veteran. It's kind of like a right. melee DPS spec for veteran, right? And the middle tree for veteran is kind of this like support veteran thing. Yeah, it's like um, a commander themed, right? Like. Yeah, yeah. And so you kind of have like range DPS sort of like leader support thing and then you have melee DPS kind of on the different on the different sides. Right. Um and those just like tackle things in different ways. And it's, it's also, you know, like something like Psyker or maybe Ogren would be not a bad example of this. Um Ogren also has three different trees. Yeah. Um uh, one of which is like, it's like melee, melee range tank. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, and uh, and it's like, is there a huge difference between the melee and the 
tank kind of not really a lot of people will probably end up like mixing and matching some of those like josh's right. build is kind of a hybrid of like heavy attacks but also some tanking stuff right um but at the end of the day you know all of that kind of customization is way more possible now than it was in the previous version of the game right can you like what can you give me an example of like what was what was different in the previous version of the game uh, so I can only speak to Psyker. Psyker was the only thing that I played. The previous version of Psyker um, depended on Brain Burst, right? Which is a Psyker ability. You fixate on a guy, you hold the button, and he goes, ee, and then their head explodes, right? When you kill somebody with Brain Burst, you get a stack of what's called a... You get a Warp Charge, right? Warp Charges increase your damage and they they keyed into the kit in different ways um so it'll increase your damage by like four percent per stack and you could get up to like six of them or something and there was a couple of different like old like weird talents in there that sort of like mattered like whenever you kill somebody with a warp attack you re you regenerate some toughness um that kind of thing uh but the um uh, the new version of Psyker, Brain Blast is only one of three abilities, right? You can also take a sort of Chain Lightning ability that does low damage but will stun a group of enemies so your, en so your teammates can kind of clean them up, right? This is kind of like a support Psyker build. And then there's also these knives, right? You know, the thing that you've seen Lou use, right? Like the Psychic Shards, um, which are, uh, you know, kind of, uh, it's like a... It'll hit a guy and then it will bounce to two additional targets, kind of like chain lightning, also, but like in a in a different kind of way. Um, and that one is all about uh, like like keeping your charges of your shards up, essentially. Um, and so you just have the, just like these different builds make the, right, the right. like the game. Play. So, so the answer yeah. is is that they just like added a bunch more abilities and that caused bigger differentiation. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, the, the other thing was the old version, you only ever had your one, I don't remember what it's called, your combat ability, right? So the old Psyker had a big shockwave, right? That still exists, but now there is also a shield. You can give yourself a shield, um, and there is also a... Um, uh, like a buff, like a self buff. So, for instance, Gun Psyker, I am, I have, I have learned, is very meta right now. Where you actually you play Psyker, but you don't actually do any Psyker stuff. You just take a gun and you use this one. You, they, the, they have an ability that um, that buffs themselves, um, and it increases their peril. And if you can manage your peril, uh, which is like a Psyker thing, if you overcharge, if you hit a hundred, you explode. Um, so you have to just kind of like manage your peril between zero and 100 kind of thing. Um, but it is essentially says when you're, uh, when you're killing guides, you're gaining peril. And so you're using guns instead of Psyker spells in order to accomplish that versus someone who's using like a Psyker staff in order to do something along those lines. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what can you like? What draws you to these types of games in general? What, what in particular does Dark Tide do well? What, why is it the thing? Uh, there's two things that I think Dark Tide does that's different than sort of the the rest ones. The first one is just like on a raw combat fundamentals and kinesthetics thing. It feels good to kill guys in Dark Tide in a way that it does not feel good to kill cops in Payday. Uh, this is mean. I actually I quite like Payday, obviously. But I just can't think of a bad version of these, and so you just kind of what I'm doing. Payday um, uh, is uh, man. Payday really is a bad example because Payday does have actually pretty good gunplay. Um, maybe Back for Blood. Do you remember when we yeah, played Back, Back for, for Blood, Blood and Left for Dead? I, I was never super impressed with the gunplay in those. 
Yeah, it's like those games just kinesthetically, like in the moments, didn't didn't like feel particularly like great or special. Whereas in Dark Tide, charging my veteran's power sword and then slashing through a horde of in like like little infected zits basically and watching them all get sliced in half is so satisfying, right? Or activating my chainsword and then hitting a mutant with it, right? And you and the chainsword pulls you and the camera. This is a really like neat kinesthetic thing that they yeah. do. When you hit somebody with the special um it'll pull you and the the camera um, as you follow the mutant as it runs past you, and then when it's dead, it will be like literally chainsawed in half, right? And it's just like that's the stuff that feels that feels really good. Um, it is the interaction between dodges, blocks, pushes, and um, melee attacks, right? Um, one of the things that is getting into the zone. Okay, I'm sorry, I gotta back up. When you have in Dark Tide, you have sort of hordes and you have sort of single entity units, right? So single entity units, like one really powerful guy who's coming down and beating, you know, beating your ass. Um, whereas a horde is like a bunch of a bunch of guys, right? Um, you hear a sound when you know there's a melee attack incoming, and it's one of the most interesting ways I've ever seen sound design used to kind of like further gameplay, um, because it trains you when you hear the sound to dodge, right? And so you might dodge left or right, right? Um, and there are a couple of different sounds that you might dodge for. So for instance, there's a special enemy, the trapper, he will have a special sound, um, and you can, but you can dodge to the side of the of the net when it fires. Or uh, the same thing for a sniper shot. You can dodge out of the way of a sniper shot if you time it like just right. All of that timing stuff is just like really fun. Um, as well as like the blocking and pushing kind of gameplay, right? Uh, you know, if I'm getting really brutalized by a huge group of guys, I can take a second, I can just block a bunch of incoming attacks, um, wait for them to sort of recharge you know essentially their attack timer and then strike that that's the kind of stuff that i think you know dark side just does this better than any other horde shooter really any other horde shooter i think i've ever played yeah that makes sense yeah yeah um yeah let me let me, let me think like there are modes like this um in uh in like destiny which is the big kind of pve shooter i've got a ton of Experience with sure. and I think that you know Bungie is pretty top of the world when it comes to like a gameplay kinesthetics, right? Like that's that's like the, the thing that you they do the best of anybody, I think. Um I definitely feel all that they don't have that same rhythm game going, but I, I, I see what you mean, right? Um and that makes sense. And I, I haven't really in the chat, uh Syrian says getting Bach pushed dodge down had a really major impact on my survival too. That might be a thing that I, I should like pay more attention to because I just kinda don't um, I also die a lot, so you know, maybe 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 that would help. I always assumed that was just kind of like something with like not having a ton of levels compared to the people I'm playing with, but that does make sense. Um, uh, I only got it down in the last month as a player of almost a year. Yeah, there it really it honestly comes down to key bindings for me. Um, the thing that unlocked dodge for me was I started strafing all the time. Um, and when you strafe and press the space bar in Dark Tide, you, you do the dodge, right? right. Uh, but I think Sarian double taps, right? Because the other thing you can do is you can, like, uh, like on a WASD, if you double tap A, you'll dodge to the left, or if you double tap D, you'll dodge to the right kind of thing. Um, and I think all of those are, are pretty, uh, core and just, I don't know, an interesting way to sort of structure the game. No, it makes sense. 
Uh, yeah, no, like getting getting your layout rights can be really, really important. In, in but I think this is the thing that gives the game, uh, you know, like more complexity and staying power than something like, in a certain sense, like Diablo is sort of what I want to go for in the sense of like a hack and slash. Diablo had... In, in Diablo 3, um, it had no sort of defensive option outside of your like abilities, but Diablo 4 ha did this thing where they introduced on Spacebar an evade, right? You could dodge, right? So, um, so technically you, that was introduced on the console version of Diablo 3 and got graduated to Diablo 4. Yeah. I actually didn't know that was in the yeah, console yeah, yeah. version of Diablo 3. But it's the same sort of effect, right? right. Um, in the way that I think that deepened Diablo 4's gameplay quite a lot, um, I think it deepened the gameplay of, of Darktide to, you know, introduce these sort of, like, dodge, melee, you know, management mechanics. To be fair, I guess I don't want to say introduce. This is all stuff that's in Vermintide as well. Um, and it's, you know, th there's... I, I could make some minor quibbly differences. So, for instance, in the key bindings... Um, space is also jump and that's true for dark tide uh but in dark in dark tide it will privilege dodge over jump whereas in vermintide it will privilege jump over dodge so if you are strafing to the right and you press the space bar in vermintide you just hop in the air and still get hit but in dark tide you actually execute the dodge that the game kind of like wants you to be able to do uh but like this is all minor who cares you know <laughs> no it makes sense makes sense um yeah um yeah, so, um, I, I, I will say I agree, definitely agree with you on the kinesthetics. I have enjoyed, you know, Revolver feels very good. My favorite weapon so far. Um, the light machine gun. Like, the thing, so I, as a person who has played a fair number of shooters, um, the thing that actually threw me off the most was um, was that when you're bracing or ADSing with, like, um, the Ogren heavy weapons, you like it takes, like, half a second to flip out the sidearm and, and hold it which uh, is actually kind of jarring, and I don't like the way that feels. But I, I don't like how that feels from a gameplay perspective. But it definitely makes the weapon feel like it has a lot of weight, which um, is, is important from, like, a, from like a fantasy feel perspective, if that makes sense. Uh, it's a real yeah. choice whether or not, like, I, like I said, I, I have played historically a lot of COD as kind of like my guilty pleasure kind of grindy game. Um, and uh, the habits I've built from that is, like, you know, you hold, like, you know, for a lot of automatic firing guns is you hold down the trigger as you ADS because it kind of, like, merges at one. And, like, you might not hit with those first couple shots, but that might be the difference between you winning and losing the fight. Um, and that instinct is bad uh, because in, in this game because, like, you will start firing and then you will stop, flip out the handle, and aim. Um, and so, like, I feel like I'm making, like, real choices as to whether or not I, I decide to brace or not, which is uh, an, an interesting dynamic that I don't often... Uh, uh, interact with uh, in, in in a lot of other kind of shooter type games. So, so that, that is. I also think it's neat that uh, and you know a lot of this is down to the lore, right? Like the yeah. lore of Dark Tide is that you are a reject prisoner who's being conscripted into service to like attack this chaos infested hive world, right? Uh, um, but one of the things I really actually love about the game is that there's no modifications on like the guns. In, uh, yeah, shout out to Kadia. Yeah, <laughs> there's no modifications to the guns in the way that there are with most other titles. Um, in Payday, for instance, the very first in Payday, you level up your guns individually. This is also true for COD, obviously. Um, the very first upgrade you earn at level two is a is a red dot site, an RDS site, right. um, <clears throat> and it's just standard. Even on any gun, on a on a pistol, on a shotgun, you just you just have 
a, a red dot site because it's just like categorically better than any other any other kind of like site you possibly could have. Um, but in Dark Tide, you, most of the time you have iron sights, right? Like right. most of that game is is built around iron sights, and there are certain guns I prefer or you know avoid because I like or don't like their iron sights, which I think is a pretty interesting kind of, um, I don't know, it's a pretty interesting kind of dynamic, right? Uh, and I actually do find myself hip firing quite a lot. You know, like most of my FPS instincts are to ADS almost all the time, right? Uh, but in Dark Tide, because the time it takes to ADS is significant, right? Um, and also because the the swap to melee is something that you always have to kind of be cognizant of. Um, a lot of if I unless I'm playing like a very a very ranged focused character, it's pretty common for me to actually just kind of be mowing stuff down in hip fire, not really worrying about it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, like uh, on my ogren, I find that I ADS when I'm looking to hit something slightly farther out rather than like as a standard mode of something, or or if like I've got a particular reason to right. Like I have the talent that like increases. Um, like the the shield regeneration, um, when you're bracing. Yeah, when you're bracing. Yeah. So I, I sometimes I do that if I've got if I've got a second to to, to do it. But uh, yeah, I also think it makes sense because when I'm playing my ogren in that sort of a build, um, bracing is important for sustained fire, which is sometimes correct, right? Um, you know, one of the one of the modes that I have to think about all the time. Uh, is how do I deal with a horde, right? right. Um, any any character I kind of have, let me put it this way, any character I kind of have four things I'm always thinking about. One, how does this character deal with hordes? Two, how does this character deal with kind of, you know, like standalone kind of, we might call them mid-level enemies, right? Not named enemies or like not elites or specials, um, but, uh, you know, all but also just kind of normal guys right three how to deal with elites which are combat focused um in the sense of they are actively trying to kill me so these are gunners shotgunners and ragers you know maulers that kind of stuff um and then specials who are typically not trying to like they're i mean they're all kind of trying to kill you but like they're doing stuff like if a trapper shows up or a um a dog shows up right my approach to those enemies is way 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 different basically um and i think all of that stuff is like there are times when i will use one gun for one thing and not another right so i will brace that double i don't remember what it's called like the twin linked gun that the ogrins have i will just sit there brace the whole time and just empty an entire clip into an oncoming horde of infected because the the point is any bullet is going to hit something. I just need to make sure that I don't have insane recoil and bracing solves for that. Right. Um, versus just walking up to a regular guy. I'm not going to brace for that. I'm just going to hit him with hip fire and just get on with my day. I, I will say on the kinesthetics note for that, like that, that particular thing is a thing that I have definitely done is like, just start mowing things down, make a little space aim down, dice, continue going. And then you hear the ting as you hit the end of the clip. And then, um, the ranged ability instantly reloads your gun. It takes like half an hour to reload your gun. Uh, that gun. <laughs> so it's just two full clips of that, and then like whatever I'm wielding comes out, and I start slicing. It's it's great. It's, it, it is a great kinesthetic feeling. Um, yeah. Uh, in the chat, 
Uh, Syrian says, ADS is my default, but I also get like 300% weak spark damage. That's, so this is an interesting thing, because like the veteran actually feels very good to ADS with, right? Like it's snappy, it's quick, it's like a COD, right? So like, and it really, I guess it kind of really supports that like level of play, right? Like, even, like again, I've, I've played limited time on, on limited, you know, on, on only two classes, but like even the Ogren, like, I, you know, I've also used the shotgun on on the Ogren, right? And you can aim it on the sights, and that makes it like slightly less spread, I guess, maybe, right? Like, um, and it feels like much less necessary there. Um, yeah, all the las guns are also the red dot sights, with really, which really helps. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely feel that because, like, so for instance, I very rarely ADS when I'm playing my zealot when he has a shotgun, for instance. Um, because, you know, it's a shotgun. But also, a zealot is a melee-focused character, right? Generally speaking, I have my chainsword. That's what I'm using to deal with most threats. And I am just pulling out the shotgun at opportune moments to kind of deal with medium-range threats when I can't close the gap any other you know, when I can't close the gap any other way, right? That kind of thing. Um, and I think all of that is just like a really, I don't know. I, I think that there's a lot of really cool and fun interplay there uh, that is neat, I guess I would say. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to mention, we were talking about maps earlier, and I had one other thing I just wanted to mention because I think it is the core thing. If there, if I'm going to like actually point to one specific thing that makes Dark Tide good, this is it. Because those crafting materials are so important, right? You need plasteel and diamantine in order to upgrade weapons. Um, and you have essentially what is a Diablo loot system, right? Where you're upgrading from uncommon to rare to legendary um, or uncommon to rare to epic to legendary, right? And you're trying to roll the appropriate stats or whatever. You need a lot of diamantine and plasteel in order to support that. Um, and diamantine and plasteel only come from these like little hidden spots. Um, but the thing is, the maps themselves are actually pretty big, and the best way to kind of approach that is typically to just sort of fan out um, and have everybody kind of root around all these little nooks and crannies. But it's also, the, the game is a very dangerous when you're on your own. Um, you're not regenerating health, or well, not really health, toughness. Yeah. Um, when you're on your own, you're not getting bonuses from your allies when you're on your own. Um, and obviously you don't have support for a lot of the kind of like single pick you off kinds of enemies, um, like uh, the dogs who can lock you down, um, the trappers who can lock you down, um, or other enemies that are, you know, pretty just like lethal in one-on-one -on -one sort of scenarios, right? If I open up a room and it's full of four ragers, that's a pretty, it's pretty likely that I'm going to go down, uh, you know, kind of like facing that onslaught. And so there's this real tension there, which I think is really comp like complicated to get right. And Darktide absolutely nails it between the incentive to split up and explore and the incentive to group together and stay as kind of, um, and stay as kind of a, uh, a unit. Um, I don't know how you feel necessarily about that because obviously I, I guess you don't necessarily feel the, the importance of diamantine and plasteel in the way that some of the others no. of us do. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, part of that is like the standard kind <clears throat> of like, I'm going to call it the gamer's curse, right? Is like, I'm not, I, there's no point in me upgrading any of my stuff, right? Because it can't come with me. And it's just kind of like, like yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm still getting like, you know, objectively better gear with each mission that I play, right? Like I have yet to, like way back when I started, like there was one mission I went on where I didn't get a piece of gear that I immediately replaced whatever else I was using with, right? Now I'm like constantly doing that. Um, 
you know, it's just like, even if I don't particularly like the weapon, it's like, you know, it's a power upgrade and I figure I should try these all out anyway type of deal. Um, since I'm about halfway through the leveling journey. Um, this is actually something I'm also I'm interested in, since presumably you did it for, from fresh, right? Like, um, mm -hmm. I've been playing with you guys. You guys have very high-level characters. I am having an accelerated journey through the levels of, uh, of this game. How, how long did it take you to get your first character to 30? Bob, I uh, probably I don't know, like forty out, sixty hours, maybe. Okay. Let's, let's let's take a look. What is my currently played in Dark Tide? One hundred and thirty hours. I probably played Jesus. I probably played like sixty of these hours in the last couple of weeks, right? So say it took me seventy. Um. Yeah, maybe like 50, 60 hours. Uh, I don't know, just a, a bunch. Um, but are you talking about being able to go right up into Malice, the the third difficulty? No, no, uh, yeah, stuff like, like, you know, my first, so the, my first mission, I only gained a level, but like my second and third missions, I gained like two or three per, right? Like, and even, even still, right? Like I'm getting regularly like one and a half, one and three quarter levels um, as, as we play, which is... Uh, you know, I assume much faster than the standard game pace. Yeah, I think part of it was we stayed at, at difficulty one and two for quite a while. Okay. Um, I don't really know that we started running difficulty three until level 20, but it's kind of in the... Did I ever tell you the story about how my Mythic Plus group, we once rolled all... We took fresh characters to... At the time, it was level 60. This was in Shadowlands. Um, we took fresh characters to level 60. Um, and... Uh, and then we immediately went and did Mythic Plus Dungeons at, you know, with, like, leveling gear, basically. And we just wanted to see how high we could push it. And we ended up pushing to plus 13 on a keystone on just, like, completely blank characters. Um, that was just a representation of how far sort of, you know, game knowledge takes you in, in, right. in this sort of way. And I think the same thing is sort of happening now. I basically made a character and, you know, I made my Ogryn... Um, or maybe my veteran was the last character I made. One of the two. Um, I think last week or the week before. And I basically just walked in at like level two. I did play my first mission at rank two. Um, and then I was like, that was easy. I'm playing on Malice from here on out. And I've just walked through, you know, Malice ever since. Uh, but the jump from Malice to Heretic, or I'm sorry, Heresy, uh, which is from uh, difficulty three to difficulty four, is pretty extensive. Um, so, you know, there's yeah, that piece of the puzzle. That, that makes sense. Like, I, I've never played a level one mission, like, at all. Um, uh, and that seems like not the wrong response. Like, I, like, even when we were, when I was queuing into games with some friends that weren't, like, you know, we weren't, uh, nobody was on max level character, we were getting, like, level ones at, like, you know, difficulty two. Um, and it kind of worked, right? Like, I, I it, it seems like level one, like, it's not like you get enough of a time boost to make, like, a difficulty one mission worth playing. Um, yeah, I think if you have the sort of fundamentals to be, I don't know, to like, dodging, blocking, that kind of stuff, maybe, like, generally speaking, Malice is not going to be, like, an, an insane challenge. Um, and Malice, like, and the better missions you do, not only the better experience you get. Frankly, I don't really care about the experience. I'm not, you know... Um, it's not hard for me to get these characters to 30. That's not what I care about. What I care about is the Plasteel and Diamantine, mm. right? Uh, every rank three mission has the same chance to get, you get about 100 
uh, diamantine about 200 plasteel out of that. Um, and so just running those missions over and over and over again um, has given me a pretty big backlog of, of, of this stuff, which means that when I do have a good opportunity to craft something, uh, I can I can invest in it immediately rather than have to like go farm the mats. That makes sense. Uh yeah. You are probably that that that's gonna happen for you at level thirty, and I bet it's gonna feel really good. To be honest, is you're yeah. probably gonna get to level thirty. You're going to um, uh, just like spend down a bunch of these crafting materials that you have, and you're gonna have a pretty like tricked out loadout. Because one of the things that I actually think is is interestingly frustrating about Dark Titan, probably I don't know how you would solve for this, is that playing at low levels sucks because the weapons are purposefully dog shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, I get some benefits on my weapons, but I don't feel like any of them are, like, it's not like I'm building around them, right? It's like any of them are super impactful, right? Like, there are some, like, build-defining moments, I would say, in that, like, if I have a really good melee weapon, a really bad ranged weapon, I might switch to the melee build on my Ogren, but, like, that's basically mm. it. Um, otherwise, like, you know, like, my, my combat knife on my Ogren, I think, has, like, a 1% chance to insta-kill a, an, 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 a human-sized enemy that stacks up to five times. It's like, okay. Um, and it's like, it's not like really changing the way I play the game. And I don't know if it ever gets that way, but like I could see like something like that like making a difference. Like I'm not even like looking, like I'm just looking at base gear score because like it's like a 20-point jump each time. It's like not worth comparing them to the, the other ones. It's not like, you know. No, yeah, I feel you for sure. Uh, I used to think that it's funny because the Psyker stuff, you know, you have peril. You're managing peril, right? right. You get these Psyker staffs, uh, and, the, and the staffs are the different spell effects. Um, so, for instance, one of the spells, you charge up a chain lightning, and you shoot the chain lightning, does a bunch of damage, arcs between multiple multiple guys kind of thing. I thought that's – I got one of those staffs when I was, like, level 7, and I was like, this thing fucking sucks. Because it maxes out my peril after two casts. And when you max out your peril, you have to take a second and, like, meditate to bring your peril back down. So I was like, this is, like, the worst fucking most unfun staff ever, right? Um, but it turns out that staff just had really low – had a really low stat called warp resistance, which is essentially the amount of peril it generates – by using its ability, right? Um, and now that I have a max level version of that staff with 80 warp, you know, 80% warp resistance, the max level amount of warp resistance, I can chain attack these lightning spells all day, right? Um, and never really get, you know, interrupted. The, the and, and the other stuff all works better too. The, not only am I generating less peril, my peril quell speed, right? Like the, the speed at which I can shed peril when I'm at very, very high peril is much faster on this staff. Um, obviously the damage it does is much better on the staff, um, at, at higher levels. Um, and the charge time to charge up this chain lightning spell is much faster at higher, higher levels of play. And it's just like, man, like if I had had that staff at level seven, um, it would have felt so much different compared to having that staff um, at, at, you know, at level 30, uh, as well as kind of the intervening talent points, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to undersell that piece of it. The talent points do matter. The talent points, um, affect all of this, you know, stuff and make it more or less fun and interesting to kind of like build around or whatever. I have some talents that make it so that I, I have warp, I have more warp resistance than just the base staff gives me kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I don't really know how to solve for that when it comes to, um, when it comes to dark tide, uh, 
the, it was actually kind of hard for me to play the Ogryn in the first couple of levels. My first few missions, I was really hating the Ogryn. But I basically just told myself, I was like, the thing you hate is playing with, like, a level two weapon, right? Like, yeah. this weapon is dog shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I feel that. Um, I honestly, I think the Ogryn helped me, like, in the beginning of the game. Because, like, once I switched to veteran, it's like, oh, I'm actually really fragile. The Ogryn comes with a bunch of built-in survivability that makes the early game, like, like... In the same, in this, in in the way when like in a, whenever you play a game with friends that are much higher level than you, you feel kind of like the puppy that's like trailing along behind, right? The yeah. Ogren's like natural tankiness is like, okay, I'll walk over here and like I'll do the objective while the other people shoot stuff. And I've got enough health to kind of like tank my way through that. Whereas like the veteran felt like. I'm ineffective at shooting things, and I'll die instantly. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. Listen, the die instantly part does not go away, okay? You're going to yeah, keep yeah. dying instantly, I promise. I mean, that's not true. The The interesting thing about the veteran, um, I'm actually weirdly tanky on all three of my Ogryn, Psyker, and Zealot um, because of the way all, all classes get ways in which they regenerate toughness. But the interesting thing about the veteran is the way the veteran regains toughness is sort of just worse than everybody else. Um, and they will eventually have talents that can make their toughness regeneration much better. So on my veteran now, who is like a tanky melee veteran, he is actually very good at regenerating toughness. Um, he's a very resilient character. In fact, he's kind of almost toughness-focused in a way. Um, uh, but any version of sort of marksman veteran is just like, a, a sing, singular mid-level enemies will will like breathe on you and you will fall over and die yes yes i especially if like you're carrying two grimoires like the party's carrying two grimoires it's like oh god oh god um I'm going to, you will yeah, like grimoire, grimoires as a mechanic are pretty interesting. Just for the folks at home, grimoires are um, cursed tomes that you can find, right? And when you have them in your inventory, they uh, they curse you for a flat amount, which reduces your max health, right? They curse uh, the whole I think party that flat, for a flat amount. Yeah, it curses the whole party for a flat amount, reduces their max health. I think that amount is 30, uh, but it also progressively curses you the longer you carry it without healing, right? Um, so even if, you, even if you're just carrying the, you know, the grimoire, um, it will eventually reduce your max health to one. Uh, it won't actually outright kill you, but any, you know, at that point, any single hit would, would, would kill you. Um, and so, uh, that's like, that's part of what makes grimoires interesting. Uh, the other thing that makes grimoires interesting is you can spec for them. Uh, I have a bunch of grimoire corruption resistance in my build, uh, which basically means that I, on the characters, who, I almost always take this on all of my characters, um, on the characters where I'm, you know, like carrying a grimoire or whatever, I'm probably only losing, I don't know, maybe like 10% of my health or maybe, I don't know, I, I don't know what the numbers would be. Maybe I'm only losing like 15% or something. It reduces it by, you know, it reduces my Grimoire Corruption by half. Um, but it means that instead of going down to like a sliver of my health just by carrying two Grimoires in the party, um, I actually have a lot of a health bar to work with. That makes sense. Is that, is that a Curio thing or is that a... Uh uh, or relic thing, or is yeah, that a it's, talent? It's a curio thing. It's uh, uh, there are some talents that do interact with this, um, but it is fundamentally a curio thing where you um, you spec your curio to have uh, corruption resistance. Makes sense. Yeah. Excuse my yawning. Uh, it is daylight savings time, or it's the day after daylight savings time. It's screwed with me, which is a lie. I just didn't sleep well last night. Uh, but. <laughs> 
Some derps talk about daylight savings time. Yeah, yeah. Is that the new? Is that the new podcast? You think? Nah, I I kind of doubt it. Um, I, <laughs> uh, contrary to popular internet takes, I don't think daylight savings time is bad per se. Um, you know, I'm just tired today. Um, like, Fair enough. You know. Yeah. Like like I, I think it's better for it to be darker earlier than it is to be. I feel that it's like better to get dark earlier than it is better to be dark in the morning. Um, and just in terms of like general things, uh, but you know, uh, yeah, right, da- daylight savings time is dog shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, most people, most people who want to standardize, want to standardize, standardize around, um, uh, at, uh, on DST, not on, on, on standard, right? Cause we, we just moved really? to standard, right? I'm, okay. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's already like three quarters of a year at this point, right? They pushed in the Bush administration. They pushed it back by like two months. Um, dark at 4 p.m. is stupid and awful. Not as bad as dark at like 8 a.m. I honestly, I prefer it to be like, like, you know, um, I have to wake up in the morning and sometimes I have to go to work and I'd rather it be light out when I'm going to work than when I'm coming home. Uh, but you know, that's the difference. Of well, opinion. these are, you, these are, these are your daylight savings opinions. Okay. Yeah. Listen, what does the emperor tell me about daylight savings? Okay. That's what I need to know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, uh, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a space faring empire that spans thousands, millions of planets. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, um, there are, speaking of the emperor, I do want to mention one thing. I've I've found a lot of praise on Dark Tide, um, and I am hopelessly addicted to it at the moment. So much so that while I was driving around this weekend, I was listening to the Dark Tide soundtrack because I just like needed to, I just like needed it in my veins. Okay, um, but Dark Tide has a really awful sort of story piece of the puzzle. Which does suck, and I kind of, I kind of hate it. Um, it's sort of the like cipher problem. Uh, you know, you, have you have you ever like heard of like the cipher problem when it comes to like, um, you know, game like it's funny. I, I want to mention like a game like Skyrim has like a cipher problem because you can play anybody, right? So the game isn't specific. Like the story can never be specific in the way that like, uh, for instance, maybe like Mass Effect. Right. You, you're still playing Shepard. That's a that's a specific story. Playing a specific character, you're just kind of guiding that character through or whatever. Um, Dark Tide has this sort of cipher problem where the idea is that y- you're playing as one of just nameless thousands of rejects. Um, who are going and dealing with the problems on tertium. Um, and that doesn't make for the, a good story in the way that, uh, Vermintide had a really great story. Um, because you are playing specific characters, right? You are playing the dwarf Bart. Um, what the fuck is the dwarf's name? Barden? Bardic? Uh, sounds like the story was really great. 
Barden. Okay, yeah, you are you are playing the story. You are playing the dwarf. His name is Barden, and he has a specific sort of like point of view on things, right? Uh, whereas in Dark Tide, man, like it just like doesn't it doesn't sort. Oh, and then the other thing is that the missions in Vermintide they're they're not randomized. The missions are set in stone, right? Um, the missions have a natural sort of cadence to them um, that is that that is telling a story from specific from point A to point B, right? Every time you load into a mission in Vermintide, you have like specific goals that are not just related to the gameplay, right? In the sense of like, I you need to carry this canister across the room, right? Uh, but it's also story stuff, right? Um, there's a pretty great moment in one of the story in one of the the Vermintide story missions um, where one of the characters at the very end of that story mission, one of the characters' sisters pops up and she goes, "Hey, I'm back," and it's like, oh, big oh my god, moment, right? Like that kind of a thing. Um, I think Dark Tide does a great job of capturing the ambient lore and setting of the 40k universe very well. The darkness of the 41st century. Yeah, the grim, grim darkness of the 41st century, which to be fair, I have never connected to in this way before. I played a little bit of I played a little bit of Warhammer 40k in high school. Um, I played Tau with a proxy army. I didn't even have actual an actual army. Why is that? Of course, I play Tau. <laughs> no, I just it, 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 Tau is like the Weeb Army, um, and you're yeah. Everybody tells me that. the reason I played Tau at that time was I was playing Wood Elf. I was mostly playing Warhammer Fantasy in high school, right? And in fan- Warhammer Fantasy, I was playing the Wood Elves and the um, the sort of one to one. You know what I mean? Like orcs are to orcs, or um, I don't even know. What would I say? Necrons are to Tomb Kings, right? right, right. Um, between fantasy and, and 40K. Everyone says that Wood Elves are to Tau. Uh, I guess because of a thing about how Tau... Two things. Tau have like a space. I have like a like a wild rider kind of like these guys who ride these things, which function a lot like Wood Elf wild riders. Um and uh, and their their base army is also very shooty, um, in the sense right. that you know they're not really looking to get up close into melee and like fight you with swords and shit. They're looking to hang back and like plink you down from ranged. Um, I don't know. This is twenty years ago. I don't know how like true any of this stuff is. And I uh, but like I. I, I had never really connected to, to 40k universe or lore really until Dark Tide, um, just because it does such a good job of sort of embodying the like quasi religious but also like very fucked up nature of like the the empire. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and to be fair, like part of the thing with the tower is the tower is supposed to be like everybody in Warhammer 40k is terrible. Except for maybe the Tau. Like, Tower is, like, pretty universally agreed to be, like, the closest thing to, like, good guys that 40K has. Um, uh, which is which is kind of interesting. But uh, Wait, even even the Eldar? I thought the, like, the, the, the oh, high the, Eldar the, were the, at least... The, the Eldar are, like, sclerotic and, like, also, like, arrogant assholes, right? Like, they, they're, like... Okay. They're like, what's wrong with? It's like, they're like the bad parts of elves. Is is my understanding? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm no, I'm yeah. No I mean, the expert. Eldar and the Dark Eldar are pretty clearly one to one on the yeah. high elves and the dark the elves, elves. And yeah, um, and it's and it's yeah. not like, and the Dark Eldar are like, like kind of like openly bad because they have like you know, big sex parties and like you know and 
and like murder part. You know, <laughs> that sounds based as fuck, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, uh, you, you're really convincing me to go on, get on board with the Dark Eldar. Yeah, they're, they're, they're big drug fueled murder murder orgies, right? Like, um, uh, but like, so part of that is that like the Dark Eldar and the Eldar were one, and they kind of split, but not. In, like my understanding is like not in a way that's kind of like very principled, right? It's just kind of like you mm. know, and, and then some of the elder party too hard, and they created yeah, and guy. they summon Slanesh. <laughs> 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 they, they caused a lot of the problems in the galaxy. Yeah. True, yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, my understanding is the Tau are bad because they mind control everybody. The Tau are like space, like hardcore space commies or whatever, and they have these um. Uh, in the tabletop, they had special effects, right? You'd had like your your leader on the ground, um, and uh, if that guy died, it was really detrimental because he is the conduit for like psychically forcing all of these disparate people to like worse, you know, work together, right? Uh, <laughs> imagine fucking so hard you mess up the galaxy. Hashtag goals. True. Also, orcs, incidentally, are honestly just having a good time and living yeah. their best life. Also true. Yeah, yeah. Orcs are, uh, orcs are my favorite. Uh, you know, uh, the, I don't know if this is canon anymore, but like, kind of the idea that they are mad, latently magical, but they don't realize it. Like, this is like, um, like you know, they have like, wait, one of the one of the pieces. I think it might be apocrypha at this point. Is that like, space marines or like you know or like guardsmen can't get orc weapons to work. They like should like you know they look at them they're like this shouldn't work but they shoot when the orcs hold them because it's actually their latent magical ability um, uh, manifesting itself. Yeah, like because the orc believes it will fire, it it forces the thing to fire kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and this is also yeah. embodied in stuff like you know red one like they believe that things painted red go faster and so like things with red paint <laughs> on the tabletop have like higher movement speed. Um, I don't actually know if that's true, but I have also heard the same apocrypha, and my go my gut is that it is, you know, so, so uh, is that it is. I true. don't know if the shooting stuff is still true, but the red paint, like red paint, is an upgrade for the orc army because I also play some of that in uh, with proxies in college, and uh, red paint does make um make make things have like increased movement speed on the board. Plus one plus one inch of movement for red paint was absolutely a rule and probably still is, says Syrian in the chat. <laughs> uh. That's perfect. Yeah, I mean my hope is that, you know, Dark Side will eventually bring in more of this stuff one of the one of the problems in my head for for dark tide when it comes to um sort of 40k versus vermintide vermintide actually touches on quite a lot of warhammer fantasy lore even though it is very like localized right at the end of the day um vermintide has three different factions that you're fighting yeah let's say three it has beastmen skaven and uh chaos. warriors of chaos um maybe also, Norska sort of depends on how you would like classify that, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, so those are you know like those are three factions that you're fighting against, and then also the characters themselves, the five the five main characters actually have quite a lot of sort of overlap with lots of different pieces of Warhammer or you know of like Warhammer fantasy lore, right? So for instance, um, there is the prestige class uh, Grail Knight, which is Bretonia. Um, there's Empire Captain. Um, there's, you know, like Mercenary something. There's Huntsman, right? That's all for one character, right? And that these are different pieces of Empire lore. This is, uh, you know, a piece of Bretonian lore. Uh, the Elven character has Shade, which is, a, which is like a dark elf assassin. Um, she has Handmaiden, which is like a high elf kind of spear 
warrior. Um, and then she has Waystalker and uh, Sister of the Thorn, which are two different versions of, of like, you know, different pieces of kind of like wood elf lore. Um, you, you know, you're, you're just pulling from a lot of, you know, Bardic, uh, Barden is uh, pulling a bunch of different pieces of dwarf lore. He has the Ironbreaker, which are, you know, the, the super, super heavy tank, like elite tank uh, melee infantry of the dwarves. He has Slayer, Dwarven Slayers that are obviously like a, you know, a huge thing. Um, and it's just like all of those, all of those pieces touch a very wide variety of the war, the Warhammer fantasy universe, even if it is pretty localized um, to just kind of like the empire, this little piece of the empire. Uh, Dark Tide does not have that same level of breadth. In fact, it kind of has like negative levels of breadth. Um, I don't know if scabs and dregs, which are the two factions that you can fight right now in Dark Tide, are representative in any kind of way, but I don't get the sense that they are. Um, it's you're mostly just fighting kind of these like generic humans. You're like chaos enemies, yeah. right? Um and even like the special units aren't particularly like interesting or flavorful, right? It's not like I'm ever fighting a chaos space marine, right? Which would be ridiculous, by the way, for the record. That would be absolutely crazy in you know, Warhammer 40k sort of standards. Um, but you do fight chaos warriors, right? In in Vermintide. You fight the the specialists are Clan Eshin Assassins, right? Which is a unit from the tabletop. Rattling Gunners, unit from the tabletop. Poison Globe, Poison Wind Globideers, that's a unit from the tabletop, right? Um, most of these like special sort of enemies in Dark Tide are just kind of generic, right? Um, and it's not like there's any any of like the oh this is a real cool interesting kind of like you know deep cut to what makes the um, the 40k lore cool or unique or special. Um, also, because famously the Imperium hates Xenos so much, it's unlikely that we would ever really see, you know, some form of cross pollination, right? Yeah. So, for that, instance, that's also not unique to the Empire, right? Like most of the factions, yeah, in 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 40k do not cooperate with each other, right? Like, you know, like, like the Space Marines. Uh, cooperate with the imperial guard and then there's like jokes about like orcs disguising themselves as space marines but that's like not like a real thing anyway you were saying yeah it's not like you could ever have in vermintide you can have an elf who works together with a dwarf who works together with people from the empire right um you really can't have anything close to that you would not be able to have an eldar who is hanging out in the chat with fucking you know an ogren and like that would kind would of just be like ridiculous. Eldar might work like as a stretch, right? Like there's occasionally things like that. I think. Like I think like that one, that specific one, is not too far outside. But like that's basically the extent you could stretch it, right? There's like, also Le League of Votan, which I have learned are space dwarves, which have only recently been reintroduced into the canon. Oh, the squats. Um, yes. Well, yeah, well, they're, they're squat. Not, yeah, so people—they're not squats. They're technically something different, but you know, yeah, they—they they related. Yeah, to so squats. people people have uh, speculated that one of the, you know, one of the things that the developers of Dark Tide Fat Shark have said is because they changed the way classes sort of work for Dark Tide. Um, in Vermintide, they were pretty locked to these five characters. You can't really introduce the sixth character because it doesn't really make sense with kind of like the lore of what's going on in Vermintide. Um, and so the best that they could do. Was was add new archetypes 
for these these five characters. And that would end up being kind of their DLC plan, where they add one new you know uh, one new job for each of these each of these five characters. Uh, for Dark Tide, they were like, we just keep adding classes, right? And there's a bunch of different classes that you know they could theoretically point towards um, some sort of tech priest, uh, you know the the um, uh, adeptus mechanicus, I think is what it's mm. called, or the people who worship the Omnisaya, you know, like they worship the these old ancient imperial machines that work by you know they don't understand how they work so they just call it magic um you know you could have you could have something like that uh people talk about i think sisters of battle is like too cool but there's something related to sisters of battle that people are like oh this is going to be a new character class um sisters of battle are like yeah something like that or maybe maybe sisters of battle is the right thing and adeptus sorotas is um the thing I'm thinking of, I think, because Adeptus Sororitas, I think, is the female space marine, um, whereas a sister of battle is sort of a mini oh, no. version Sist- of that. Adeptus Sororitas and sisters of battle are the same thing. There, so, oh, okay, th- this, this this is actually a, a, a minor cultural point. There are no female space marines. Um, well, yeah, um, yeah, and like this was like very recently confirmed that there can't be female space marines. This has caused some amount of like uproar, but like that that is neither here nor there. Yeah, but like the the sisters of battle are the effectively thing. females. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, to fe- they are you know we are we are never going to see a, a space marine in Dark Tide is the thing because right. space marines are so crazy powerful compared to sort of the characters that we're playing. Um, I cannot fucking wait to info dump on you guys in Dark Tide chat later. Listen, you know when this podcast ends and I get out Dark Tide, you can info dump the fuck out of me, right? Um, but I but anyway, the the point I'm making is I think that the um. The gameplay design of Dark Tide is very good and receptive to this sort of um, stuff. And even if I think that the lore is not going to have a lot of good things to sort of offer for, you know, like future classes in terms of rejects, um, the game is is designed in such a place that adding new classes will be, um, I think, pretty good, pretty fun. Uh, sort of in the same way that like adding a new WoW class tends to be like pretty good and pretty fun because you know it's it's just going to be approaching things from kind of a different, yeah. uh, I guess, perspective. Yeah, no, that makes that that makes sense. I think it'd be cool to have like a commissar in this game. I guess I guess kind of the middle the middle tree for for veteran kind of gets close to that, but like. I don't know. It'd be very cool if you could like shoot your friends to make them <laughs> play better. Um, uh, 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 but yeah, no. Mo- so just to be clear, most of my one D- most of my forty k knowledge comes from one d four chan, which is uh, you know, not ex- <laughs> which is not exactly like you know, it's it's fun, but it is like a it is it is a humorous interpretation of the lore rather than like you know a serious uh, interpretation of the lore. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think the big options they have, if you know, if I am thinking forward to what Fat Shark could do, um, I think the big options that they have would be adding new enemy types. Um, Tyranids, you know, seems like an option. Yeah, everybody wants Tyranids, which I think would be great. Uh, and there is like stuff in like the voice lines that points to. Do you know what a Gene Stealer cult is? That yeah, points yeah. to a Gene Stealer cult. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, the scuttlebutt for potential future content is Gene Stealer cults, which is not to say Tyranids so much as human Xenos hybrids, yeah. Uh, Gene Stealer cults are are super advanced ag- agents of a Tyranid invasion um, 
who kind of intentionally fuck with uh they give them a sp- uh, they give them like a kiss or whatever right don't think it's isn't it called like the tyranid kiss or some shit uh where they like mind fuck you into loving the tyranid hive mind um i don't know i'm sure i'm sure Sarian is gonna tell me all of the correct stuff for this i would also be very down to do orcs i hope they do orcs um, the one thing that I think is missing in Vermintide, in my opinion, is orcs. Um, I would love there to be an orc OC. You're, it would never work, but like, imagine an orc OC. You could do so many cool things with that. You know, you could do uh, black orcs. You could do, um, you know, wa priests and stuff like that. Uh, I would basically love to see. Uh, why didn't you have Saron as a guest? Because we didn't think about it. Okay, that's why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I only thought to ping the chat to tell me we were talking about Dark Tide when yeah. I don't know. Maybe, way later. <laughs> maybe one of these weeks we'll have we'll have Sarian on and we'll just ping him with lore questions, kind of like I do with you on on uh, DC comic book stuff. That is a great exa- That is a great idea. Okay, well there will be a part two to this for uh, for sure. But I wanted to get your final thoughts. How how much longer? Do you expect to be, you know, like deep in the dark tide? We're playing after this, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, for for a while at least, right? Like as a social activity, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, and frankly, like, you know, um, I, I will I will tease a little bit. I've been playing some other stuff with some other friends, right? Like um, Friend of the Cast Monarch, we played the finals beta, which I love a lot. I don't expect I'm going to be able to peel a lot of people off to play that. So that's going to be a limited thing. Dark, Also, Dark Tide's like, you know, the f- finals is a competitive shooter, right? I could see myself getting into that a lot. I could see myself getting sweaty about that. You know what I don't always want to do? Be sweaty about a competitive game, right? Like Dark Tide is very kind of like, I point the gun, I shoot, I chat about bullshit while I point the gun and shoot, right? Like, you know. Yep. Um, and Dark Tide is, is very good for that. Um, I will be very interested to see. We didn't talk a lot about some of like the end game mechanics, and maybe we'll just save that for like later or whatever. Um, when it comes to sort of like setting up deeper like builds and what is a good weapon, that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, I will be very interested to sort of like hear your thoughts on some of this stuff because it got a lot of feedback people were really mad about it um right on launch uh and then they added the crafting system to account for that feedback um because it used to be entirely random right um you could get the weapons the weapons you get out of your contracts are are universally very good they're always like legendary or whatever but they're all but they all have like random roles and stuff like that now you can kind of build up a high quality weapon um but like the chance to get like a really there's no version of like best in slot essentially right um but uh i don't know it'll it'll take a while you know obviously you got to max out to get to level 30 to get there um so so yeah 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 all right well uh how was your week yeah, well, the big thing I did this week was BlizzCon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talk uh, about BlizzCon. Which I, yeah. So, yeah, okay, to talk about BlizzCon. Um, I mean, BlizzCon was crazy. It was it was huge. I had a great time. I fucking love BlizzCon, okay? And I just want to say, for the record, because I know the only people who listen to this are our WoW friends and also Zhao, who does not play WoW, but you should. It's better than just oh, Guitar Hero, you hey, piece of shit. Don't forget <laughs> Jimmy, who is... Uh, who oh, is- also Jimmy! Yeah, that's that's true. Jimmy, you're not a piece of shit, and I want you to know that WoW said... Or, I'm sorry, that Zhao said that WoW was basically Guitar Hero, so that means you should come play World of Warcraft with me, because you and I both <laughs> fucking love Guitar Hero so much. Um, anyway, um, you know... Uh, it was it was really great because I got you know like I raid with a with a group of folks and a bunch of us got together and I was just like oh my god this was so fun to be able to like hang out not just like we've done guild meetups before right but it's also to do the guild meetup 
at a convention dedicated to the thing we do in our, you know, like in our guild, right? Everybody, you know, uh, reacting to the news, going to the deep dive panels, chatting about, you know, like what what we think works and what we think doesn't work. Um, all that stuff is just like, God, it's so, it's like, it's so, I know that's an obvious thing. I know what I'm saying is obvious, right? It's fun to hang out with your friends at a convention for the thing that you like doing with your friends. That's obvious, but it is so much more fun than I realized it would be, and I just had to say that for the record. Um, well, I mean, so I would say we did something like it wasn't exactly the thing that we do, but and you had to work, but like PAX East was a lot like that too, right? Mm -hmm. It was good to hang out with people, good to good to see people, that type of deal. Uh, Leaving this podcast with significantly more FOMO. <laughs> Listen, if that gets you to come to BlizzCon next year, baby, then I'm all in on this on this FOMO train. <laughs> uh, anyway, let, let me talk about some of the stuff that happened. Uh, most of the games, you know, like there, there was not like a ton of really like crazy news. All of the big news was basically centered in the WoW universe. But just to touch on some stuff, they announced a new Overwatch hero, um, a new Overwatch game mode, which I'm kind of actually interested in. Uh, the new game mode is called Clash, and is sort of a redesign of the fundamentals of what was called. 2CP, the two capture point um, maps. Two capture points were famously really people hated them in the Overwatch community and they took them uh, and they took them off of the sort of playable rotation uh, because they were kind of deemed to be un in, uh, like uncompetitive but the new version of those maps is um, is basically a Rathy Basin uh, but in Overwatch which I'm just like yeah funny the best battleground in World of Warcraft also makes for the best you know <laughs> PvP shooter map basically uh, so I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about that uh, the new Diablo expansion got teased more than announced they uh, it has a name vessel of hatred uh they said they're bringing a new class that's never been shown in diablo before which is pretty interesting um and they're going to a location from diablo 2 which is like the jungles of something but i don't remember where um that's coming late next year which i'm i'm pretty happy about that uh i heard diablo 4 the launch went great Everybody kind of like loved it. It had pretty universal acclaim on launch. Um, and everybody was telling everybody else to, to get it and buy it and play it. And we all sort of did that. Um, and then I think there was sort of this decay where it kind of transitioned away from the sort of surface level Diablo, Diablo enjoyers into like the deeper, you know, ARPG enjoyers. And the deeper ARPG enjoyers were pretty mad at Diablo 4. Specifically, the first season um, was said to be pretty dog shit. Uh, but now I'm hearing that the second season is good. So I guess that's yeah. that's something. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, we were talking about this uh, yesterday. Um, uh, and I, I think my, my impression of it is that like it was fun for a little while. Like, it was fun to check out, but it wasn't fun to to sustain. Is maybe the the right way to put it, right? Like, like inevitably, Diablo games need to be a long running thing in order for them to be truly successful, right? Like Diablo two was the massive success that it was because you could play for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and, hours and like modify and, and like you know really maximize your build. And it feels like um, Diablo four on launch wasn't even there. Um, it just, but it was still fun for like you know kind of like the opening part. Um, and honestly, I think it, it, it's kind of interesting because it feels like like the, their model has like cheated around that in the first place by like making you make a new character every season. I wonder if that's just also because like you know, in order to change your skills in Diablo II, you had to re-roll a completely new character. There wasn't really like a refund mechanic. Um, so uh, that's that's an interesting thing to think about. But yeah, uh, you know, 
Um, I have heard they've just kind of like increased the loot significantly in season two, which is also like how they fixed Diablo three is they like made it much easier. <laughs> it just made like loot drop all the time. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, but yeah, uh, was there anything like so? I what I took what I have heard about uh, about the WoW announcements is they is Chris Metzen comes out and announces three expansions. Um, the first one, which is available for pre-order now, um, was there anything in particular out of the WoW announcements that you thought was notable worth talking about? Uh, everything, everything. Okay, here is here's 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 the WoW announcements. Chris Metzen did come on stage. And I have to say, I was a bit of a Chris Metzen skeptic, mostly because I, I this is a little bit of like me working in the games industry in a way. Um, I sort of know. E, e, okay, let me think. Let me. How do I want to phrase this? The stuff that tends to be good in games, a lot of the time, is very specific, right? Um, and I think that WoW had a problem for a long time and probably still has a bit of this problem um, of the people at the top sort of taking credit for the work of the people at the bottom in a way, right? Um, sure. I don't, I don't want to discount, you know, like the work that Chris Messon put into like the game and WoW and stuff like that. Um, but like at the end of the day, he's not the one writing quest text. Right. Other people are the ones who are sitting down, like, writing the quest decks, doing these storylines, all that other kind of stuff. Um, and I was a bit of a skeptic when it came to Chris Metzen, because I was kind of like, you know what, man? Like, the people that matter are, like, the rank and file. These are the people who are doing a good job or a bad job, kind of depending on how we think about, like, whatever, like, sort of, like, lore decisions. And then the other thing I was thinking is that uh, a lot of these decisions are made so far in advance that, like... People have a have a really frayed way of, of of perceiving the work that goes into creating video game content, um, such that they give you know kind of Christmas in sort of credit for things that he probably doesn't deserve it for. This is this is sort of my mindset before going to BlizzCon and seeing him on stage, and then he came out on stage after a bunch of people who were kind of just like corporate suits in a way and like executives. And the, all, he was, he cried. He, his like eyes were watering. Like you could just like feel how much he loved being back and getting to talk about this stuff. I, I was in a position, I was also in a really unique position at BlizzCon where I could see the teleprompter. Okay. And I had watched, um, Mike Ybarra, the president of Blizzard, read verbatim off of that teleprompter. And he's basically just like, he's just like saying a bunch of platitudes, right? Um, you know, well, we, we love our community. We think Blizzard games bring people together. The hard work of our developers is something special. It's like nothing. These, these are like nothing statements, right? Um, but then like Chris Metzen came out and he's like, Improving off the he just like kept cutting whole sections off of his teleprompter and just like saying shit and it was just so real and authentic and genuine in that I I am a I am a convert I'm a Christmas and convert this guy gets it he cares it <laughs> just in this insane way and yeah i don't know i cried a whole bunch i was like this i i for him basically right just because i could tell how much he cared about the thing um i got a little misty even watching the stream yeah exactly um and uh 
And so, anyway, Chris Mystic gets on screen, or on stage, and he announces three expansions. Okay, the next three expansions as part of a blanket trilogy called the World Soul Saga. And basically his pitch was, we've been dancing around the Titans and Azeroth for a while. It's time to put this story to bed so that we can launch into the next story for World of Warcraft, essentially. <laughs> Um, and the story that we're putting to bed is the World Soul Saga, right? Um, the saga of Azeroth and what's going on with Azeroth and, you know, stuff. And so he announces three expansions. The first expansion is called The War Within, okay? Um, the War Within is an under, is like an expansion where we're going underground. We're going into the, we're going into the heart of Azeroth itself. Um, the, do you know the Nerubians yeah, from... Yeah. Yeah, the, the the ancient Nerubian Empire is getting awakened by Zalatath the Harbinger. Um, Zalatath is the um, uh, is, and I don't think she's quite an old god herself, um, but she was in the Shadow Priest Knife from Legion oh, okay. and gets released from the Knife when in Battle for Azeroth when we as part of the war campaign when we need to use the uh, Zalatath to kill Nazoth. If you remember all of this. Um, she is uh, rallying the Nerubians um, into an army to do bad stuff, I guess. Uh, and we're going down there and, and fucking them up. The next expansion after that is going to be called World of Warcraft Midnight, which is a return to the old world expansion where we are going to quell the Loths, okay? And the armies of the Void are going to be attacking Azeroth, trying to snuff out the Sunwell in uh, Silvermoon, in Quel'Thalas. Um, and, um, you know, he mentioned that it was about, like, bringing the elven tribes together and doing all this other sort of stuff. And then the final expansion in this, in this trilogy is going to be World of Warcraft The Last Titan, where... Apparently, we are going to learn the secrets of the Titans kind of once and for all, right? Um, what did they actually have in store for Azeroth when they originated the planet and all this other sort of, you know, all, all the other sort of adjacent stuff? Um, key in this is the Sword of Sargeras. Um, they showed a cinematic, which is the cinematic for, for The War Within, where we find PTSD Andy, who's no longer Anduin, who's no longer in his Twink era. He is now in his uh grizzled era um and thrall is like big andy we need you and then andy is like but i still have ptsd and thrall is like i know it sucks but also the voice of azeroth is talking to us and we need to figure out what it is and then he's like what is it and thrall's like i don't know but i know that that sword was meant for something and then he points to the the, the sword of sargeras lodged in the crust of azeroth in silithus uh, there's a bunch of gameplay stuff associated with all this, but that's just sort of the story pitch that we got in the opening ceremony. Um, where does that leave you? What do you think about all this? <laughs> Are they planning on having these expansions have like the normal expansion runtime? Like it's not going to be accelerated at all? I, my expectation is that it's accelerated. Um, I, I don't like, know. Like it's like six or nine years of content being announced last week. That just doesn't seem right, right? Like... Um, so you know, is sort of in a way. I think they they've wanted to do yearly expansions for a, for a long time. Um, this was actually announced a long time ago at one of like maybe like BlizzCon like 2012 or something, um, where they said 
that they were go that actually Warlords was supposed to be the start of this. Um, that they were going to do yearly expansions, um, but then like Warlords was like a fucking train wreck, um, and so we've had expansions every two years since then. They said uh, it was going to be accelerated. Uh, maybe we'll see. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I I don't know. So so from like a purely kind of like economics point of view, right? Like if they do yearly expansions and want me to pay sixty dollars a year or sixty dollars, uh, yeah, sixty dollars a year on top of my WoW subscription, I'll probably do it. I wonder how many how angry it'll make people, right? Like, um, yep. Because like this is like you no know, like the Destiny model is like you know sixty dollars plus like forty five. Uh, I guess it's you no know, sixty dollars plus like fifteen a quarter maybe. Right, so yeah, like because you, you get the battle pass also, yeah, right? Yeah, um, maybe you could do this like, like you know, I my my big conspiracy theory is now that the Microsoft thing is in stone, it's like how how much does WoW get wrapped into Game Pass, and like how much do they use as a justification to boost the price of Game Pass? Um, uh, uh, I don't know. I read a, I read an article about that. I'm actually pretty happy about the Microsoft merger. Uh, Jason Schreier wrote an article talking about kind of um, what he learned at BlizzCon, and one of the things he learned was that Phil Spencer has a very hands-off approach to managing sort of subsidiary game studios uh, compared to Bobby Kotick. Bobby Kotick was very hands-on, constantly pressuring for sort of more, 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 um, and like chasing the money, apparently, uh, whereas Phil Spencer is much more concerned with quality you know like like letting companies do what they want um outside of his sort of like overseer thing uh and jason schreier talked about how this had a lot to do with stock price uh fluctuations in the performance of blizzard manifestly changed activision stock price whereas now that is very unlikely to happen, right? Um, it's not like Microsoft is going to go up or down in shares because WoW has a good or bad expansion. Nobody, nobody like, seems to well, care I mean, about that. It, it will. Um, it just won't be as much, right? Like, yeah, the, true. Like yeah. the video game division for Microsoft has always been questionable. How much it like directly affects the bottom line isn't more of just kind of like a goodwill project, right? Like. You know, and also like a diversification aspect, right? Like Microsoft's core business is still like Windows and, you know, three. Oh, no. I just had the worst idea is like you like make, you know, you you rage at somebody in World of Warcraft and all of a sudden you can't access Office 360 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to happen. <laughs> this is going to happen, buddy. Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, I my expectation, to be fair, is um, maybe the wild experiences will come a little faster. This is something we'd seen um, after after WAD. Uh, Legion came in September, and then Battle for Azeroth came in. August, I believe. So they those expansions were getting kind of faster and faster, but then Shadowlands kind of punted everything um, because it was a very slow sort of like cadence. Um, and so I don't know. We'll see. My I I don't know what's going to end up. Kind of I don't know what's going to end up happening. We'll see. I guess is the answer. Uh, um, in the chat, Sirius says, "How do we feel about pay early access?" Yeah, so this is a big thing. Um, there's the base edition. I actually quite like this. To be fair, there's the base edition, which is fifty bucks, um, which is actually quite cheap. Compared to, you know, like, uh, mostly you'd expect the base edition to be, like, $70, like, $60, $70. Yeah, like, um, um, the, the, the new COD is $70 for the base edition. Yeah, and then there is the Heroic Edition, which has the mount. And then there is the Epic Edition, which has, um, 
you know, a little bit of game time uh, and some like extra kind of goodies. And one of the extra goodies that comes in the Epic Edition is paid early access. Um, I think this is just part of the part of the times. Paid early access seems to be the new pre-order bonus that people are going towards. It's been in most of the releases that we've seen this year. Uh, Starfield had it. Diablo 4 had it. Um, just a lot of games. If you pre-order, you get a couple of days early. Um, I don't know. How, did you have thoughts about that? Do you care? I don't know. Um, I don't know if I care or not. I care less about it's interesting because it's the first time I've seen it with, like, an expansion, right? Like, with an expansion for, yeah. our, for a live service game, right? Because, like, um, basically it means that, like, you know, some people get three days head start against, you know, the rest of, like, you know. I assume for, if you're going for World First, everybody's going to be, you know, buying the, the Epic Edition. But that, that doesn't concern me too, too much. Um, in general, it doesn't bother me too much. Um, it, it depends on on the price differential, right? Like, for for games where it, there is not as much of a multiplayer component, I think it's it's like basically of no consequence at all, right? Like, yeah, if you're excited for it, you like Starfield makes no difference to me, right? If you want a couple of days early access, that's fine, right? It's not like you know you're you're affecting the competitive landscape at all based on that. Um, three days is not too bad to me, right? Like, um, it does that that doesn't bother me too too much. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that's where I land. It doesn't it doesn't bother me too much, um, especially since it's like one of many things, right? Like, if it was like even like ten bucks for three days early access, and that was the only additional benefit, I might be skeeved out. But it's not, and so it doesn't bother me too much. Um, yeah, sir. Says I'm not gonna. I'm not planning on getting Epic tight into the year and all, and I feel like I'm getting a little bummed in those. For, or I'm gonna get a, a little bummed in those first few days just from a hype, play new content with friends perspective. Yeah, I, it's complicated for me. I I hate playing with friends on launch. I like to experience WoW expansions um, alone or at best with my partner. Um, and so, and I like to take my time. I, I hate the idea of sort of like a rush to level whatever. I just want to sit there. I want to read all the quest text. I want to go find the, the nukes and crannies. Um, I want to completely, you know, lose myself in six hours as I chase down like profession recipes and, and stuff like that as I'm like leveling my blacksmithing. It's like, that's the stuff that matters to me on a WoW expansion launch. Um, none of the, you know, like I... I care so so little um for sort of the rush to you know like the rush to end game um or even just sort of the like the play as a group thing right um i know people who do that and I, I i obviously kind of respect them so the epic edition doesn't really affect me in that sense um uh i guess honestly maybe the epic edition will be better for me if i yeah, have it because, because that'll mean be that i get to can, yeah yeah because what the thing that had happened i actually pissed my friends off because i was the last one of us to hit level 70 because i was like no i'm taking my time okay don't rush me <laughs> you know what i mean um and uh yeah, I mean, also, I was also doing something right in the middle of the Dragonflight launch uh, last year. I think I had a trip planned for, like, that weekend or something. Uh, maybe that was the weekend we went back to the East Coast to, like, visit, like, Rachel's mom. Um, and so, anyway, yeah, I don't know. To be fair, I think if it were me, you know, if I if I am the head of marketing at fucking, you know, World of Warcraft Blizzard Entertainment, I probably would want to take that Epic, Epic Edition thing away. Um what, we did talk about gameplay stuff, and I can get into that in a second if you really want to go for it, but um, one of the big things that makes 
the new expansion announcement so successful, in my opinion, um, has been a pretty dogmatic adherence to um, what people say they always want to hear. You know what I mean? Um, they always, you know, there are so many things, frankly, things that I have personally argued against, um, and they're just sort of doing that stuff. Um, and so, I don't know. I guess we'll kind of see where, see where we end up. See where, see where things come down. Do we, do we know what ha what's happening with dragon riding? It's getting folded into the base game called Dynamic Flight, and it happens everywhere from now on. No, oh, awesome. And do it's actually a ten point. I think it's a ten point two point five thing. To be fair, and uh, are like the existing flying mounts old mounts. Yeah, every mount becomes a dragon riding mount. Is my understanding. Well, that's awesome. Um, yeah, they had talked about how uh, they weren't sure people were going to respond well to dragon riding, um, and uh, but they had hoped people would respond well to it, um, which makes sense. And when they did, they pretty quickly made plans to integrate it into the rest of the game, um, which has included you know adding animations, you dragon riding animations um, for all of the different mount types. Which, frankly, I think that is a pretty daunting under yeah. you know undertaking. Um, I think uh, it probably has been undersold the amount of work that that is, but there is, it kind of makes sense because there is only one new race coming in the new expansion. Uh, Earthen, you know, like the Earth Dwarves, uh, is getting... And that's not even called a new race, it's an allied race. Um, and then um, there's no new class or anything, uh, but we are getting a new set of talents called Hero Talents. Interesting. Um, yeah, which are 10, 10 levels of talents um, that are, like, shared between your class trees. So for you, um, th th they're sort of subclasses, right? And there are subclasses that are, like, overlaps between, you know, two of your three specs. So for Monk, there is Shadowpan is one, uh, Conduit of the Celestials is another, and Master of Harmony is the third one. So I'm pretty sure, and it's it's like a triangle, right? There are two that are linked um, at all sort of times. So I'm pretty sure for Windwalker, you're going to have the choice between Shadowpan Hero Talents or um, Conduit of the Celestials Hero Talents, and it's depending on do you want to sort of, I don't, I don't want to call it cross-classing because it's not cross-classing, it's just sort of, you know, new talents that interact with the two things. Um, Shadowpan is probably Windwalker Brewmaster. Uh, Conduit of the Celestials is Mistweaver Windwalker. Interesting. Very, very cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that, that vaguely worries me about the thing is that, like, ground bounce are already a thing that, like, feels like you don't really get to use them much anymore. It's like, at least, at least in the old expansions, you had, like, you know, a while before you got to unlock flying. Yeah. And you got to play... With your ground mounts. Now it feels like they're like never going to come out, basically. Yeah, I am a flying on day one hater, and I will continue to do so, but dynamic flight is going to be day one. Actually, I think... Well, I don't know. I think it is dynamic flight on day one in the um, in the, in the the new place. Um, so, yeah, I think ground mounts... I think, I think flying on the point two patch is always correct. About a year in, you unlock flying. Um... Because, you know, just, like, moving around on the ground. When I think of, like, Legion, the early days of Legion, I loved the early days of Legion. Um, but I think, uh, you know, just doing it on the ground was just, like, so much more satisfying than doing it in the air. But, I don't know. You yeah, know, I, I think dragon riding was day one. I, I, Who knows? I think you can solve some of that with, with um, uh, what's the word? Uh, with 
you, you could solve uh, some of that with, with, with map design, essentially. Like, um, like, you can design the map to be built for... Like, I think it's harder to do that with, like, the, the old kind of flying just because it's, like, it's, you know, it's literally, like, you know, helicopter flying with unlimited fuel, right? Like, the new, the new flying requires a little bit more strategy, and you can use map design to, to kind of smooth out those things. But uh, I see what you're saying. I, I, I feel all that. Yeah. Uh, some other new stuff that they announced that I'm actually pretty hyped for. Do you know what Classic Plus means? It's, it's just, is this like Mythic Plus, but for Classic? Do you like... It is going back to Classic and redesigning the game of Classic, but like in a different way. Um, the idea is sort of that there is Classic and then Classic... Or I'm sorry. Classic goes to... Burning Crusade goes to like, you know, Wrath of Lich King. Classic Plus is like an alternate universe where the design of World of Warcraft went in a completely different direction. Um, classic players have been hoping for Classic Plus for quite a long time. Uh, and Classic Plus got announced. Uh, it is called the Season of Discovery, which adds, um, which is the base classic gameplay, right? But it adds a couple things. One, there is a level cap that gets progressively higher and higher. And there is now end game built for... Um, individual uh like level br like brackets so the first level cap is level 25 in classic and they added a raid encounter which is black fathom deeps for level 25 right and they have also added a system of called runes um which is sort of 12 special talents and like abilities or whatever um to help sort of change and you know like make the gameplay like a little bit more crazy and fluid um for like the the classic sort of template right um and so uh but the crate here's the crazy thing have you ever wanted to be a tank as a rogue no or a shaman no but I could or a people, warlock i could imagine the people that would be I, I've, yeah. I've wanted to be a tank as a priest actually Back when I was playing <laughs> Vanilla, I was like, I'm going to get the Iron Weave set. I'm going to be a dumb tank. I never did. Uh, you know, I appreciate that even when, like, Shaman Tank was, like, half of a thing, you you still chose the craziest option. Yeah, so there are going to be Warlock Tanks. There are going to be... Um, uh, there are going to be mage healers. There's going to be rogue tanks. There's going to be war. Uh, I'm sorry, shaman tanks. Um, uh, and all that, you know, all that stuff is coming in season of mastery because you can get certain abilities that will like, essentially it turns your, like one of your abilities into taunt. So for rogues, it's, um, your, uh, your faint ability becomes a taunt. Um, and you take, you know, less damage and you're no longer able to be critically struck when you have blade dance active, right? Like this kind of thing. Um, so, you know, we'll be, we'll be seeing some of that. That's coming very soon. That's November 30th at the end That's of the month. That's interesting. That's uh, like, it's almost like WoW 2. Uh, it is almost like WoW 2. Yeah. And basically the idea is that, um, the, they're just going to keep progressively raising like the level cap higher and higher. Um, so it starts at 25, uh, and they teased that the future raid encounters are Nomrigan, um, Scarlet Monastery, 
uh, and the Karazhan. They're going to do a vanilla version of Karazhan, which famously came, obviously, in the Burning Crusade. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on here? This is crazy. Uh, but I'm very excited for it. The other thing that they talked about is two, two new things. One, a world uh, PvP thing where Ashenvale kind of becomes like an open-air battleground, basically, um, sort of based on the design of Alterac Valley, but it is server-based rather than um, being instance-based. Um, and then also they had talked about um, that they're adding a ton of new like secrets and content to the game so that like at the bottom of a cave you might have a chest and that chest is new and does new things because one of the things about classic is classic is obviously pretty solved at this right. point um so they are adding a ton of new content um and there's no beta or ptr so it's just going to drop and we're going to figure it out figure it out live very cool very cool yeah i might have to check that out I have, yeah, I am already making making plans for uh, a new Tonric to to live the Arms Warrior dream. Maybe, maybe the Fury Warrior dream. I don't know. One of the dreams we're playing Tonric. Maybe, maybe I will go back to a priest. Maybe I'll my my my, orig my original priest was one True Mango because that was like that era where I was just like naming yeah. the same thing. Maybe, maybe I'll resurrect Steve Arino. Um, oh my god, Steve Arena. What a great name. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there were some more BlizzCon stuff. We, we can talk about some of these later. We're getting over time, and I really want to play Dark Tide tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just got a couple of things that I want to go over real quick. Like I said earlier, sure. final, Finals Beta, super fun. I actually do want to play more of that. Essentially, it's a competitive shooter. You have three classes, light, medium, heavy. That's literally the three classes. Um, <gasps> That's like Tribes. Uh, Did you ever play Tribes? I have. I love Tribes. Uh, this is not. I love Tribes, but okay. Anyway, so this is it. not Tribes, but it does have a lot of cool movement. Um, okay. Uh, the big, the big features are fully destructible environments. Um, the the main game mode is um, essentially you collect coins and you have to bank them. Um, and there's a lot of play around, like you know, you're starting to bank something, and then like the other team can come in and steal it from you. A uh, bunch of stuff like that. Another big mechanic is there's this, there's a lot of stuff um, that's like goo. Um, essentially, you can uh, fire like a goo gun or a goo grenade, and it like makes terrain that you can then burn and break again. Um, lots of very cool movement. Like the heavy has this big charge and it goes and slams. The light has like a grappling hook. The um, and the and there's these three classes, but they they also have um, a lot of like you can switch out equipment between them. There's this idea that like you can't you can't switch mid match to a different class. Um, or totally different equipment, but you have a second set of reserve equipment that you can swap out when you die. There's a lot of, like, uh, picking things up, moving around. Very cool shooter. I encourage everybody to check it out. And the other thing, and the only reason I'm going to bring it up now is Simmons bring this up a couple weeks ago, is this is a thing in my life It's also WoW-related, is in the national political lexicon, I have heard multiple times people refer to Leroy Jenkins, right? <laughs> like... I think I think one of it was like called like you know, the, I think it was the Freedom Caucus, the Leroy Jenkins Caucus, or something like that, um, to the point where like a political podcast I listened to had the the clip, like you know Leroy. Wow. And it's like, oh my god, I'm going to have to explain to a kid someday what Leroy Jenkins is and where it came from, and I can be like, and I was there. I remember when it was invented. I saw it in 480p on YouTube. Um, my cousin showed me Leroy Jenkins uh, because I told him I was playing World of Warcraft. Yeah. And he was like, oh, my God, I have to show you this thing. That was the first time I ever saw Leroy Jenkins. Yeah. My, I was not playing WoW. And one of my friends showed it to me. And the first they had to explain to me all of the context so that I understood what was happening in Leroy Jenkins. Um, 
but like the, that's incredible the fact that it has entered the lexicon right like you know um and not even like you know like the kind of like super hip right like young person progressive lexicon right like the the people i've heard referring to this are like you know like i think it was somebody at national review that i heard it from right which is just like you could tell it's really penetrated the culture right when uh, yeah you know uh when when people like that are uh are talking about Leroy Jenkins, but that was that was the thing I wanted to point out is that like, it is it is so mainstream that it is it is part of like the political lexicon now. That is honestly really funny. <laughs> it's really amazing. Yeah, uh, but with that, uh, I'm gonna say if you would like to tell uh, talk to us about any of the stuff that we talked about on this podcast, you can email us at games at gmail.com or podcastnerdsplaygames.com, uh, or uh, watch us live on twitch.tv slash nerdsplaygames or youtube.com slash games where these go out live. Um, that's uh, you can re- re- review us on iTunes, all that good stuff. All the links in the description. That's everything I wanted to to promote. Buddy, do you have anything that you're looking to promote? I have nothing that I am looking to promote this week, bud. Well, uh, I guess actually that's not true. Universe for Sale does have a release date next week, uh, November sixteenth. Is Universe for Sale? Go buy it. Yeah, I guess. Yay. Um, <laughs> well, in that case, I'm going to say uh, until next time, dear listeners. For the Emperor, loyal listeners. <laughs>